Ben Simmons yeah. is the most overrated player in the entire league. Yep. Quote. I know we'll do it again. I know we're gonna collide. I know we'll call it the end. It's always, always a lie. You wear your heart on your sleeve. I wear my blood on my time. But it's only love underneath. All right, welcome to another episode of Clubhouse Convos. Uh, joining the show today is a guy who was drafted in the third round of the 2020 NHL draft by the Chicago Blackhawks. He finished the year as a true freshman for the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, where he led all defensemen in scoring. Uh, Bulldogs went on to play UMass in the Frozen Four, lost, but had a great year. Uh, thanks for joining today, Wyatt Kayser. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm doing well. Of course. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Yeah. Uh, so first off, you know, how was growing up in Minnesota? Is hockey something you've always loved? Do you have any other interests? Uh, walk us through that. Yeah, it was amazing growing up in Minnesota. I mean, it's a very hockey culture state. Um, a lot of things revolve around hockey here. Um, a lot of my family played it. Uh, and it's, I've played it since I've been like three, so hockey's been my life for a lot of it. But no, outside of hockey, I do have other interests. played a lot of other sports, um, tennis, soccer, football growing up, um, golf a lot. And then kind of in high school, I got into ceramics block, which has been a big thing in school. I took a third class in college too, so that's always kind of been a release for me, been fun. That's pretty cool. I like that's pottery. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now was there ever a specific moment in time where you were like damn i'm actually really good at hockey like was there a specific point in time where you were like this is what i'm meant to do um i would say i kind of always growing up i was like this is what i was meant to do kind of no backup plan like this is what i'm gonna do um i i think i probably realized it a little bit more probably when I was 15 coming into like the 15 year old HP camp and I made the five nations team. So I kind of was like, I was like, okay, like let's, that felt, it felt good. But, um, yeah, well, that was probably the moment in time where I was like, okay, like let's go. <laughs> what is the five nations team? So from like the national camp in New York, out of the 15s, they select the USA team out yep. of, like, the 12 teams. And then you go over to Europe and you play, like, Germany or the other national teams. Gotcha. What was that trip like for you? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, going to Europe was a blast. Uh, we didn't do very well over there, but um, we did. We went to Holinka the next year. So I, like, made the USA team next year. And Holinka went a lot better. It was in the same spot in Europe. That's awesome. I can't imagine what that would be like, like being 16, traveling the world, playing hockey. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was nuts. So growing up, was there ever a player that you idolized or really wanted to shape your game towards their game? I liked Marion Gabrick a lot growing up as a little kid. Um, I watched him all the time, but no, kind of growing up, I didn't really, I never like watched a player like, religiously or like I'm gonna play like that I just kind of would watch hockey but never a guy I was like okay this is who I'm gonna be uh real quick I'll hop in with a quick question um obviously Blackhawks prospect you've seen what Patrick Kane 
uh, can do. Uh, you a big Patrick Kane guy. I know he's USA all the way. Um, just super skilled player. Uh, have you? Uh, I probably haven't had many conversations with him at all. But uh, do you look up to him at all? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a good leader. I mean you watch him throughout the year, the things he says, and, and he keeps getting better and better. So definitely look up to him. All right, we'll we'll skip forward a little bit. Uh, you had so you had the opportunity to represent the United States at the the Ivan Lincoln tournament in Czech Republic. Could you just talk a little bit about that experience and what it was like playing overseas for the United States? Yeah, it was awesome. So that was like so. The Holinka was in Slovakia that year and Czech Republic we played in Seoul. That was the second year I was there. Like we stayed in the same hotel. We had AC the second year, which was super nice over there. <laughs> but no, kind of going over there, it felt almost more like I was a veteran because I kind of done it already. Like I kind of knew what to expect. So it was more like focused on the hockey side of things. It was like, okay, like I already kind of had the experience. Like it's hockey time a little bit more. And uh it was a good – we had a great team there, too, with the guys. We got really close quick and um, lost, some, lost some close games and shootouts and overtime that uh, could have went far. But What are you guys doing over there off the ice, like team gatherings, things like that? Like how do you pass the free time you have? I mean, there was there's a sh- kind of like a strip that you go down. And there's a bunch of food places and kind of tourist things and um, – one year we went to a castle, took a bus to a castle and went, walked around there. Um, we went to Budapest. So we kind of fly into Vienna and then go into Budapest. And we stay in a hotel for a few nights there and like play the, Bud- or the Budapest, the Hungry National team. And then, so that's a super cool city, Budapest. So we kind of go to like walk around that for a couple of days. But other than that, then we kind of get into Slovakia and there isn't really a whole lot to see in there. So it's pretty hockey, you're watching film, practice. We watched Charo one day because he's from Piestini or Trenchenbrook, Slovakia. We were watching him practice one day at the rink. That's awesome. So you had that uh, tournament overseas. Then you played your senior year, had a great year. Um, then not that long after, you get drafted by the Blackhawks. So what was kind of that, uh, that draft process like for you? Um, walk us through it. During the high school season, I was pretty locked in on just state tournament, like we're going to win that. So a lot of the scouting stuff was kind of just off to the side. So, I mean, it was my main goal was just state tournament. Um, But no, it was it was a fun experience. You get to meet a lot of guys, talk to a lot of people. Um, You learn a lot about yourself. They ask a lot of pretty deep questions. And then kind of through quarantine was when it really picked up before the draft. There was a lot of Zoom interviews with teams and different things. Uh, just a quick side question, like, if you can talk at all about those interviews, what I know, like, people always come out and say, like, this team asked me a super weird question or something like that. Was there ever a question that you got that you were like, why is that important to ask? Montreal asked me a weird question. I forget exactly what it was, but it was like, a, would you rather, like, would you do this or this? Um, <laughs> oh, well, I can't I can't remember right now, but I just I said to say that it was like, wow, my God. No, did you guys ever win the state championship that year or no? No, we lost or we got for upset first round. Oh, oh shit. What seed were you guys? Do they seed it kind of like that? Yeah. Yeah, we were number one. 
Oh, you were the one seed. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the first like four teams get seeded one through four, and then the five through eight teams just get randomized. Okay. That's kind of weird if you are the eight seed and all of a sudden end up being the five. Yeah, no, it is. It's weird. So walk us through what your first year at college was like. Uh, first year at college was like with COVID, obviously, everything was different. Like, what was the campus like? How did it feel to play hockey there? Like, did people come up to you all the time? Not really, I would say. I mean, I didn't really go on campus a whole lot. I mean, at all. So I, I'll probably be like a brand new freshman next year going to classes because we were all online in our dorms. So it's pretty much get up, get to the rink, work out, practice, come back to your school. And then every once in a while, you get the guys together on the weekends. And really, that's about all we did for a good six, seven months. Now, what major are you? Uh, I'm undecided. I'm probably going to try to get into business, something in business, but kind of keeping options open, trying to find something I enjoy because yeah. I don't know, didn't really like online school wasn't a blast. I didn't really find anything that I really liked. So we'll see what next year brings. And now were there fans? I assume not for the games, right? For the first half of the year, there was no fans. Um, the bubble was zero fans. I forgot we went to the bubble, so I took a trip to UNH and then was in a bubble in a bubble for about a month, played nine games. Um, that was interesting for sure. Never done that before. <laughs> and then, how do you toward- how do you pass the time in the bubble? Oh, that was tough. Um, school ended because we admit like our semester ended right when we got there, kind of, so we didn't have any school to do. So. There wasn't really anything to do to pass the time. You just kind of sat there. <laughs> that was tough. But um, towards the end of the year, we did get fans. We started having, like, you could have some family members come to the games and then playoffs there. Yeah. Was, uh, was – one second, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, sure. No, like, did the team feel like a like a jolt almost when fans started to come? Like, was that something that really got you guys going, or was it just business as usual? I think a lot of the older guys were pretty like just completely used to it, and it didn't really affect them. It was it was more fun for them. But some of the younger, like I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, wow, this is like you get a little bit more energy from it. There's the game feels like there's it's a little bit more of a roller coaster up and down. Now is now sorry Newman real quick gonna jump in again (laughs) on you. Um, Now how I assume hockey is just huge at at your school, right? Like it's probably the number one sport if if I had to guess. Yes. Yeah. Considering right because they had won two, did did they win like two titles like in the not too recent uh, past if I remember? Yeah, they went back to back and then they're going for the three peat and then the season got canceled. So, technically, last year was for a three-peat. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, So, just to talk about your coach a little bit, I mean, he's obviously a a former NHL defenseman in his own right. So, can you talk about how Scott Sandlin kind of has helped your game improve? Yeah, he's amazing. Like, he's such a good coach. Uh, He's hard on you. He tells you the truth of what you do, but he definitely lets you play your game. Um, 
I would say he kind of does not sit back and sit back and watch, but he really gives you the freedom to kind of do what you want. And then as soon as you start doing something, maybe not, he kind of he'll snap at you, he'll snap at you, like, hey, like, no, again, <laughs> off ice things. Just it's it's just the way you handle yourself, the culture that he sets up. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm. Now, was playing your uh, your college hockey in your home state of Minnesota always your top choice, or did you ever think about going elsewhere? I know that the school had some success, which was probably a drawing. Uh, they had a great coach, which was probably a drawing. Um, but did you ever consider going elsewhere for school in hockey? Um, around Minnesota, if that was Minnesota, the Gophers, uh, North Dakota was an option. Hmm. Ever Wisconsin, but Bemidji. It, in Minnesota. So how how's it like to play in a five overtime game? Um, played just about an hour, which led all players time on ice. Like just walk us through at that point, like it's just gotta be muscle memory. You're not even you got nothing left in the tank at that point, right? Yeah, I mean after about the second or first or second overtime, you kind of get over like a little, at least I did. I got over like a hump where it was just like, okay, like I'm tired, but it's, I'm just used to it. I'm just playing a lot of the shifts. You go, I'd black out a lot of shifts. You come back, you like, don't. That's you nice. don't even know. <laughs> but uh, after about the fourth overtime, I actually felt really good going in that fifth overtime. I, um, I don't know. I got some new air or something, but um, he, I don't remember a whole lot of it. It was such a long game. Like in the lot, in the locker room, guys were just laughing. So it was like, this is just comical. Like it's not yeah. normal. Was uh, was that feeling when you won that game like the best game winning goal you've ever been a part of? Yeah, because like, hundred percent. Because you didn't really expect that shot. Going or sitting on the train line, over like oh Cleveland, and it goes, and you just start like oh we're done. Yeah, I I actually watched that goal uh, today before we hopped on here. Um, it was one of those shots where it's just like you just shoot it from a ways out. There's a couple uh, bodies in front of you. You're just trying to get it through. I shocked that that one went in. Sucks for them to let that one in in uh, the fifth overtime, but just a huge goal, and I'm sure meant yeah. everything to you guys. Yeah, no, it was awesome. They and they, they ripped one off the post a couple of shifts before that, if I remember right. From the point, ripped it off the post, and we came down and just put that one in. Now, what did you guys do after the game? Did you just like hang out with each other, go to the bar? Like, well, although you're freaking 18, so no bars for you. Um, <laughs> um, but what did you guys do after? Just kind of like celebrate? Like, how do you, how do you go about that? We got done. We packed up the bus, went to the hotel, and went back. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So everybody was so tired. I mean, a few guys had to go to the hospital for dehydration or make sure they had IVs and stuff. So yeah, people were hurting. Jesus. Wow. We had people that couldn't stand. They were trying to stand and they couldn't do it. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So to to wrap up the hockey talk, outside of being drafted, what would you say is your greatest hockey achievement so far? Um, probably make it to Frozen Four. Yeah, I also saw something that you won um, an award. I think it was like Minnesota's best defenseman. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Um, but talk, can you talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't even know that was a, like a thing. And so we we're at the state banquet, 
and they're kind of where they're just announcing teams and whatever. We're all dressed up. I got a mullet, a perm, and frosted tips. I look like a moron <laughs> for a state. And then, so and then they're like, oh, we're announcing an award, like Reed Larson Award. And I'm like, what is that? And I look at it's, it's the best, this, like for the state's best defenseman. And I'm like, oh, like I probably can win this. Like, is there a pretty good chance? And so I had to go up and talk in front of like 850 people, and I had no idea what to say. <laughs> they- I'm, 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 I'm mumbling away, and I'm just like, no, God, get me off the stage. I can't believe they wouldn't tell you beforehand so you could prepare something. No, I had no idea. They literally said, and I looked around, so I'm walking up, and every single team, all the parents just meet. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) That's funny. All right, so wrapping up, getting to the end of this, um, but we ask all our guests – uh, to share one big thing on their bucket list. So there's one thing that that's at the top of that list uh, that you want to do in your life. Um, what's that? I want to travel over to Japan, actually, and go travel around Japan. Is there a reason? Any for reason that? why? It's yeah, like, I don't know. A lot of ceramics is kind of like is from there. Like ceramics kind of originated from there, and I watch like I watch kind of a decent amount of things, and I'd like to go over and see a lot of that. And it's just a cool culture over there. When you're talking ceramics, are you talking like like pottery or? Yeah, like, pottery on the wheel. Gotcha. Yep. I remember back in middle school making pottery, and my pottery fucking sucked, and I would get all angry, and uh, I think that was about it for me in pottery. So props to you. That's, That's something awesome. I wish I was good at and enjoyed. Thank you. That's all we got, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It's fun. Of course. <laughs> Love to talk to you in the future. Maybe uh, when you're an NHLer. Yeah. Yeah. Best of luck, man. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Best of luck. Yep. See ya. All right. Should we just jump right into the pod while we're at it? Yeah, that's right. Good interview. Good guy. Good interview. He does not look 18. I'll say that. No, he know, looks I like look, a man. I know. I was like 21 bars afterwards. And then I'm like, just as looking at him, he looks so old. Dude, he looks like, like 23, 24. Yeah. He does. I can't picture him in a mullet and frosted tips. That's so no. <laughs> that's so funny to me. It's it was funny that he like already kind of has that stereotypical like hockey guy like short answers to the point. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's hop into the pod. This is what episode nineteen. No, I think yeah, I think we're at about. Yeah, it, it must be eighteen. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's eighteen. So we don't really have much planned besides more of the same. It is eighteen. Uh, just playoff talk. So, you guys want to do NBA or NHL first? Let's hit the um, NBA. Let's yeah, talk yeah, about get that shit over with. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, we're recording on Sunday to any fathers listening. Happy Father's Day. Um, last night, Bucks beat the Nets in game seven in overtime uh, to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're set to play the winner of the 76ers Hawks game tonight. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about that game. I, I know I watched a little bit of the fourth quarter. I watched the last like eight seconds. I didn't watch any of overtime, but well, I don't know what you guys saw. Newman. 
how do you how do you not watch the overtime? <laughs> I was at a friend's party. house. We were playing a game. All right, fair enough. No, I I watched. I think I watched from like the second quarter on when I saw it was still close. But like, what an ending! I mean, good for the Bucks. Sucks for the the Nets, but I mean, whatever. No, fuck I mean, them. Kevin Dur- Kevin Durant. I mean, unbelievable. Deserved better. Uh, you think when you have like James Harden on your team to play with, you guys would steamroll? But I guess not. PJ Tucker looked fantastic on defense. So I mean, good for the Bucks and. I know. Looks fantastic, I thought... but still gave up forty six. No, I know, right? I saw I saw his mom and Kevin Durant's mom were beefing on the sideline. That was funny. Yeah, it was yeah. really funny. Oh, I didn't know. No, that. Tucker Tucker and Katie's mom went back and forth. She was like, "It's it's oh. basketball, not football." And he goes, "I love you," and she says, "I love you too." And then they both just <laughs> laugh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, she yeah. seems just like such a great woman. Yeah, like just super nice and like absolutely. Um, my thoughts on the game though, um, thought Brooklyn was going to win and I thought Brooklyn was going to win for most of the game. Uh, they had a couple leads where it got to about 10 and I was like, all right, like they're going to pull away, but give it to the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer who probably just saved his job considering I know that they were kind of desperate to seemingly make a change. I think he's going to keep that job. Um, but the Bucks just stayed in the game and that's all you can ask for just to be in it up until the end in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it just came down to shot making. We saw James Harden miss just so many shots. I mean, you know, you get the ball, lots of space, one-on-one. Uh, I think Middleton was guarding him. And just like, you just kind of get one to go. And uh, a guy like that's got to get something. Playoff James Harden just struggles. And I think uh, that's starting to become a real thing. Um, yeah, he had a couple good games in the series, but I think it was really Kyrie and KD and obviously when Kyrie went out it was just KD taking over um but I I was really impressed with the box Giannis just went off um I loved uh when he got to the line those like they were chanting the seconds I thought that was great it was just a great environment in Brooklyn and um Bucks survived and I think they're a threat to go all the way and win the NBA championship I think they're that good they play such good defense they can shoot uh they got you know like you look beyond that and it's like Giannis on defense, Tucker on defense, Drew Holiday on defense. Like, there's three guys that are even Middleton's a good defender. Defense. Who? Middleton's a good defender. Yeah, he's a good defender. So they're just so good, and like they didn't even really need to rely on their bench too much. Giannis went off, and um, I don't know. They're definitely a threat, and I was really impressed with them just staying in the game. When it got to like seven, eight, they just marched right back on, and um, good for them winning that OT game. Their defense was great in the overtime only yeah. two points up until like a minute with a minute 30 left uh so good for the bucks i'm happy for them and their fans it's just a small town compared to the other cities that we got in the nba so good for the bucks yeah i, I had a couple of thoughts that you guys haven't touched upon uh one just for the bucks to get through that game with true holiday having such a poor shooting game is really a, a good sign from milwaukee moving forward because he's not a guy that's going to go three for 18 often. Um, even though he's a better defender than he is a scorer, he's still capable of 20 a night on efficient shooting. So that's a good sign for Milwaukee to be able to win that game without really any offensive contribution from him. Um, another thing is the fact that Budenholzer is even like considered to be on the hot seat, I think is crazy to me. I don't understand why the NBA does this thing where like, 
even if you have extreme amounts of success for long periods of time, you get fired if you don't win a championship. Like sometimes it's not the coach. Sometimes it's, it's the roster and the core that's not capable of winning a championship. And I think to transition right into my next thought is, is that's James Harden. James Harden, I don't think he's ever going to win a championship. Um, I, I've been saying this since they traded Chris Paul away. It's not this guys surrounding him that's the problem. It's Harden that's the problem. Couldn't get it done with OKC. Couldn't get it done with Chris Ball. Couldn't get it done with Westbrook and Houston. Can't get it done now with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It, I mean, how many more excuses does this guy get before we finally say, look, James Harden's the reason he can't win a championship. It's not the supporting cast. It's him. Now, do you think – you don't think the – Brooklyn will win a championship with James Harden on the roster. I don't think the three of them can stay healthy enough to play together. Yeah. I think Kyrie is just a, a clown. I think he's an absolute clown who probably could have played through his injury. I mean, Harden played through a grade two hamstring. Like it's just like the NBA is just so soft. Like you see NHL guys playing fucking broken ribs, punctured lungs, like broken legs, finishing shifts. Like, dude, just suck it up. Like how many more runs at a championship do you have? And that's what I don't get is like Kyrie Irving, is it going to be able to sleep tonight or last night knowing that he maybe could have grinded it out, but instead he sat on the bench. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't, as somebody, all of us have competed for championships as kids, and obviously it's completely different. But, you know, as an athlete and a competitor, I just don't really respect that. Like, if you – even if you can go at 50%, fucking go. You know what I mean? I yeah. thought he was really low energy last night. When they showed him on the bench – Yeah, it was really just him awesome. talking to KD. He wasn't involved in the huddle. or It's like he just – Kyrie lives in Kyrie's world and that's fine, but I'm so sick of Kyrie's world being important. I don't want to hear about his world. I don't give a shit. I know. And even, even earlier in the year when he like stepped away because his mind yeah. wasn't with basketball, like, dude, if I was playing in the NBA, my mind would just be basketball a hundred percent. Like, and if it's fuck, not like, what? get out of the league. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, this is, I think this is like, the biggest red flag as to why super teams aren't always going to be successful is you pay what 75% of their salary to three guys who are only healthy for 20 games together and they don't get it done I, to not make the Eastern conference finals, I think is the biggest disappointment in all of sports this year for the nets to not even get that far the way they were talked about before the season. Uh, and it's just like, it goes to show like teams like Phoenix and Milwaukee, like, yes, you have stars, but you also have a better supporting cast. And I know they didn't have Dinwiddle and yeah, but if you want to win a championship, like you can't rely on three guys to carry you all the way in a 12 on a 12 man team. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I, I, I mean, personally, I happen to think that you can with those three players and I, I think if Kyrie was playing, do it. Would have won. And and give them credit. Give some of their depth players credit. I mean, Blake Griffin played great in game seven. Yeah. Fantastic. Shot the three well, got to the rim. We saw Bruce Brown get, just fighting for rebounds, making plays on the offensive end. So 
I think that they have players that would contribute to the success, but I just think it's hard when Kyrie goes down because then you're left with KD and Harden and the whole, the whole basketball world and the whole Milwaukee Bucks team knew it was going to be down to Kevin Durant versus them. I mean, that's kind of what it came down to. James Harden struggled, could eliminate him. And I think uh, it just made it a lot easier without Kyrie for them. Well, I, I think like you pointed out, Evan, those those guys have something to play for. Like Blake Griffin is playing to show he could still do this at this level. And role players like that are playing for a contract to have some financial security. Like at this point, I understand Kevin Durant wants to win a championship, but what does he have to play for? He's done it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some of these guys, it's just like there's they're at different points in their career where different things are different priorities. And I'm sure at this point in Durant's career, the only priority is winning a championship. But you just you question Kyrie's priorities and even Harden's. Like, Harden, yeah. Harden I mean, to me is just Harden a personal accolade guy. Yeah, he's all about his own numbers. Yeah, I did think he did a good job though of just letting KD take over. I think he knew KD was the guy. Clearly was the guy last night. 40. Anybody with a brain knew he was the guy. Everyone with a brain. So he did a good job of not taking bad shots. I, I thought, I mean, the, just the shots weren't getting knocked down. He just wasn't making anything. Um, so I, you know, personal accolades. Yeah, I think he's more about those. I think last night, though, he wanted to win. And I think. Uh, Everybody I mean, wanted to win last night. I'm not saying everyone, that. Oh, every, right. No, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying. I think Harden could have done more, um, especially just knocking down shots. I think that was just the main thing. Got to show up. Got to show up in the big moment. We talked about it. Kyrie's shown up in the big moment before. KD's showed up in the big moment before. James Harden just hasn't. And I think that's something to look out for. You talk talk about how Brooklyn may not be able to win a championship with them three, especially given the health situation, which is true. I mean, I – I agree with that. I think if one goes down, especially Kyrie, I, I think they're in trouble. I think if Harden went down and they were left with Kyrie and KD, I think they would have won the series, won that game seven, just because I think Kyrie's just so far above Harden. But it just goes to show the unpredictability in sports uh, of injuries. Injuries are just a big thing. We, we're seeing it in baseball right now. Uh, basketballs, so many players were injured this year. Uh, and now in the playoffs, you see Chris Paul's got the uh, COVID or whatever. So, yeah, so everything is just so unpredictable. And that's why I think, like, you never know what's going to happen. Like, I know Colin and I, we both had the Nets winning the title. And it's like, well, you know, we couldn't have predicted uh, Kyrie to go down. In in the Leafs' uh, Habs series, we couldn't have predicted John Tavares to go out. So I think this that's just another, like, topic that I think is just so, you know, uh, just so important right now. In all of sports, just injuries, just everything's unpredictable. When you get into the playoffs, you have a chance to win. And I think that's the that's just something that I've had my Look eye Look at on. the Canadians. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's flip it over to the other Eastern series. I want – I just want to hear one word from both of you. Hawks or 76ers? Game seven. Hawks, baby. Uh, six – I'm going Sixers. I'm going Hawks. Um, I feel like there's not much to talk about in terms of the game. So should we go with Eastern Conference final predictions? 
I think I think if it's Milwaukee against the Hawks, I think Milwaukee probably wins because Drew Holiday can clamp Trey Young to enough point. Yeah, if um, if it's Atlanta, Milwaukee, I'd say Milwaukee. If it's Milwaukee, Philadelphia, which I think would be a hell of a series, oh, it's tough. I'd probably go Milwaukee just based on how the Sixers are playing. Joel Embiid struggled a little bit in the series. You've seen just Tobias Harris. Where the hell is he? Ben uh, Simmons not ben playing Simmons offense in the fourth too. quarter. Ben I, Simmons yeah. is the most overrated player in the entire league. Yep. Quote. I think we I think said that on the last podcast. I hope we did. Should I think we should find that from the line. We should yeah, find we that. Go back that. And find it. We can go back and find it. But Ben Simmons, my God, when your point guard can't shoot, I mean, it just it gives everything away. And and they're so well, yeah. When when you're at the point in the fourth quarter where you're taking out Ben Simmons to spark the offense, that's a problem. That should not happen. Like if your starting point guard can't shoot. 90% from the free throw line, he should not be a starting point guard. Yes, I agree. I'm I think Curry's his, more uh... valuable to that team than Simmons. Oh, absolutely. If Simmons wasn't so good defensively, he wouldn't be in the NBA. He'd, be he, he'd, have, he'd have nothing to contribute. Uh, I'm going to go Bucks, no matter who wins. I, I do think the Hawks win. Um, but I'm going Bucks to beat either team. Hop over to the Western side of things. Um, the Utah Jazz blew a 2-0 lead, um, went on to lose four straight games, two, two or three without Kawhi. Two. Two games without Kawhi. Clippers advance in six. Um, we had guaranteed Jazz in five. Evan walked back his Clippers to the Western Conference Finals claim. He's now claiming that it doesn't matter that he walked it back since it was his original pick. I think that's bullshit. Um, but we got Clippers Suns in the Western Conference Finals after the Suns. Just as I predicted uh, when we had our predictions pod. Thanks, microphone. Thank you. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, what do you got, Western Conference Finals? Well, I, I just want to point out real quick, I threw up a poll after game four on our Instagram and asked, you know, are the Clippers done without Kawhi? And 87% people said they were done. So, ouch, y'all are wrong. Um, well, nobody knew uh, who the fuck Terrence Mann was until game six. Well, yeah. And even, I'll be honest, like, Paul George in game five had every chance to, to fuck over the critics who say he can't perform in the playoffs and put up 37 and 16. So, good on Paul George uh, and Terrence, fucking Terrence, man, 39 points. I'm still going to take the Suns because I did guarantee that they would win it all uh, last pod, I think. So, yep. yep. I'll roll, roll with Phoenix. Yeah, the clubhouse combos polls have just been disappointing. You look back on uh, game seven, Dallas Clippers, 36 people said Dallas, 18 said Clippers. So, clearly, our followers are getting shit wrong as well. It's not just us. When I say us, I mean Colin and I, because Newman hasn't gotten a guarantee wrong. Well, Newman's um, also made guarantees about the future. That's true. That's true. Um, but, yeah, so I'm actually going to go with the Clippers. 
especially if Kawhi comes back in game three, I think if they win one in Phoenix, that's the goal, I think. And if they can do that, I think they're in great shape going back to Los Angeles. They've been dominant at home in the playoffs, even during the regular season. You get Kawhi, Terrence Mann's been a beast. Paul George has arrived. Um, Jackson's balling. Um, Nick Batum is out doing Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, they've just, everything's gone right for the Clippers. I had them in the NBA finals. I'm going to pick them here against the Suns, which kind of hurts, but Chris Paul out game one. It's another huge thing. Wouldn't shock me. If the Clippers grab game one. So I love what the Clippers have done. I think Ty Lue's a great coach. Um, and their bench is better. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's close, but I take the Clippers. They just have more experience. Kawhi's won the title. Uh, I get Chris Paul has got experience, but Devin Booker's new to this. Aiton's new to this. So give me the vets here. I'm going Clippers to win this series in six games. I think they'll win it at home. Um, and, and I'm sad to say it because I love what the Suns have done this year, but their time is coming. It's one of those situations where they're so close. They're young. They're going to get to the Western Conference Finals, which they're, you know, they're here, but they're just not ready yet. I think next year or the year after, watch out for the Suns. I think they could win a title in the next couple of years, but not this year. Uh, give me the Clippers to win this series. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go Phoenix in seven, but it, it, it hinges on Chris Paul. If he misses more games than Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers will win. But if he misses less than Kawhi, the Suns will win. I think that Paul will probably miss the first two. But I am – I would be cautious on thinking that Kawhi is coming back for game three. Um, they were concerned about a torn ACL, so it has to be some sort of a serious injury. I don't think it's something that he's going to be able to shake off in a week and a half. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss – most or all of the series, um, which is why I'm going to go Phoenix in seven. I, I'm not – no disrespect to Paul George or or any of their other players who have played well, but, like, Terrence Mann is not going to put up 40 a night. Um, it, you're not going to get that kind of production night in and night out where the Suns have, you know, Booker, Aiton, Bridges, um, Campaign even has had a great playoffs. Like, those are all guys you can – probably bank on for 20 points or more every single night. Um, and I would not be willing to make the same bet for Nick Batum, Terrence Mann, and Reggie Jackson. Like, I just think the Suns have a better current healthy core than the Clippers do, and that's why I'm going to go Suns in seven. Regardless, the result going to be a hell of a series. I'm excited to watch. Um you know, we're going to see some superstars playing in both sides. So in both conferences, uh, I think it's great for the NBA that the Nets are out and the Lakers. I hate to say yeah. we talked about it a little bit in, I think, last week's episode. Uh, great for the NBA, getting some new blood in there. Giannis finally gets to the East Finals. You got Booker. Um, sucks about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, would have loved to see Mitchell and um, Booker go head-to-head. Booker, head go head-to-head. Head. Yeah, but, uh, but no, I think it's good for the NBA. Talked a little bit talked a little bit about it and uh i think it's good that uh some new blood yeah let's talk uh, a little nhl and then we'll wrap up um uh, montreal and vegas montreal goes up 2-1 after a pretty rough uh what's the sunday pretty rough friday night for vegas 
um, really dominated all facets of the game. We're out shooting them 30 to eight after two. Um, who scored that goal? Was it Petrangelo? Yep. Yeah, Petrangelo puts them up 2-1, going uh, going far side on Price on a really great play. Um, I, I actually watched it. Um, and with two minutes to go, Flurry comes out from behind the net, misplays the pocket, bounces right in the middle of the, the ice. Nobody there. Josh Anderson bangs it home to tie it, send it to overtime. And then in overtime, Anderson makes an unbelievable play, taking the puck right out of midair while staying on sides. All of a sudden, him and Nick Suzuki are in on a two-on-zero, and it's night-night for the the Knights. Um, and the Canadians—they look capable of doing this. Um, we saw this morning Robin Leonard was taking starter reps for the Golden Knights. Possibly means no flurry tonight. I don't know if that's confirmed yet. Um, no flurry tonight. Confirmed. Confirmed. Okay. So who do we got game four and who do we have for the rest of the series? I know Newman's I, answer. Newman has Canadians yeah. in five. No, I don't. I guarantee that they would take it to six, which is oh, going six. I now, thought it was officially. Five. No. Um, you can't give you credit on your guarantee because uh, just the wrong team. Oh, boo-hoo. Well, whatever. Um, idiot. But yeah, I'd take Montreal. Tonight. I don't. Like, going to Leonard, I understand, obviously. You can't do that in the playoffs. But I don't understand how that's going to spark the team. Like, how is that going to give them any confidence, to be honest? Like, Fleury got them there. And now you're switching to the guy that got berated by the Avalanche. I don't know how that gets your team riled up to play. Yeah, but they also responded to that beatdown much better than, like, a a normal team. Like, I feel like there are a lot of teams in the NHL that if you get beat 7-1 in game one, you kind of roll over and probably take your medicine in game two as well. And even though Vegas lost, they put up a much better fight. Um, And I think that Peter DeBoer is kind of one of those coaches where even if it seems like a strange move, I trust his judgment. Um, But I, I don't know if you have any more thoughts, Newman or Ev. No, I, I just wanted to say, I did see actually after game one, uh, Vegas won four one. I saw in the reading about Montreal that they they were planning to, to test Flurry playing the puck. I saw they were going to try to play the puck in behind the net more, see what he does, and it paid off. So, I mean, good coaching decision on their part. An all-time announcer jinx by Pierre Maguire. Oh, awful. Just awful. The puck plane's been really uh, made a real difference, huh, Joe? Ten seconds later, see ya. <laughs> How much yeah. of an idiot do you think he felt like? I don't know. Because I feel like I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but he acted like nothing happened after – I don't know, Newman, did you watch the game? Like, he almost wasn't caught, like aware of the fact that he had just said that. Yeah, I know. Totally oblivious. How's he oblivious to that? I don't know. Dude, it's so funny. Uh, on Instagram, there's a Pierre Maguire account that's verified, but it's clearly not him. <laughs> just the funniest shit that just gets posted. How that account got verified, I don't know, but it's talking about like Ryan Getzlaff's balls, like just the randomest stuff. In my life. Probably, probably slipped Instagram at 20. Bad modem. <laughs> so this is not Pierre Maguire, uh, but I just thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, ultimate announcer jinx for sure. Um, I think Leonard's going to play really well tonight. 
I honestly want to guarantee something. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to guarantee my first guarantee of this episode. I'm going to say that the Vegas Golden Knights win this game. That's the part one. And then part two is Leonard allows one goal or less. I honestly want to say he's going to shut them out, but I'm not going to do that because that's too ballsy. So Leonard one or under goals against plus Vegas win tonight. That's a, my guarantee for, for this game. I think Vegas ties the series. I think this will uh, help that. I like the change. I, I think it'll help get them ready to go, I guess, a little bit more. Now they're down 2-1, so you got to play up. You can't go down 3-1. Um, they're better coached. I mean, Montreal's coach is not even there, which is a huge loss for them, but I think Pete DeBoer is just a genius. Uh, and I like Vegas's depth a ton, too, which which we talked about, their defenseman depth uh, forwards. So Vegas is going to respond well tonight. I got a uh, – so, yeah, my, to sum it up again – one goal or less and a night's win uh, with Leonard in there tonight. Before I get to my prediction, just a funny uh, post from that account. It's uh, February 18th, 2018. Sidney Crosby scores his 400th career goal. Uh, this is in all caps. The prodigal son and my favorite human, Sidney Crosby, scores his 400th goal. Tom Ward coached Sidney Crosby at Shattuck St. Mary's, where he totaled 162 points in 57 games. Tommy Ward is now coaching another child prodigy in Jack Eichel in Buffalo. Insane coaching seeds. Um, just kind of funny. I don't know how the hell that's verified. Dude, um, I'm going to try to find like a, a hilarious one from that account. Yeah, so I, I agree. Ev. I think Leonard's going to have a really good night tonight. I think Vegas wins. Um, and all along, I've said it's Vegas's depth that is going to get them to the cup. And, and I still think it is the depth that's going to get them there, but Montreal's depth has been, this has been the first team where Vegas's depth has really been tested because Montreal's older veterans, bottom six have been playing really well. Uh, obviously we touched upon like Paul Byron, Corey Perry, Joel Armia, the other uh, last podcast. Um, and they're still producing. It was pretty awesome to see Corey Perry come back out. Um, fucking bloodied face. He's, giving everybody fist bumps. What an awful call, missed call by the refs. Um, saw an awful slew foot on Alex Martinez that was missed. So just some more despicable refereeing. I know we've hammered that home pretty well throughout the playoffs, but I'm going to go Vegas in seven. I'm surprised at Montreal's ability to fight through the punches. I mean, Carey Price has been outstanding, but I just think Vegas is going to, is going to outlast them. Boy, were, were we wrong, Colin? Like, give it to Newman. He was on the price train. Deserves some credit for saying that. I think we were just out on Carey Price. We didn't believe that he was going to be playoff price this year, and he's been nothing less. Um, also, real quick, we, go ahead. Too bad it wasn't a guarantee. Too bad it wasn't a guarantee. Too bad that uh, that segment hadn't debuted yet. How about this one? Nothing like having a game day snack. With yes, just, the corn dog. The corn dog just <laughs> in his mouth. Yeah, that's just that seems very inappropriate. <laughs> but yeah, I know that account was talking about Ryan Getzloff's balls. Like just really weird stuff. <laughs> we'll have to find that. Uh, yeah. Let's flip over to the Eastern Conference. 
Uh, Tampa Bay Islanders tied at two after the Islanders pulled off 3-2 win last night. Unbelievable game-saving play by Ryan Pollock. Um, and I, I saw Spittin' Chicklets, Wit in particular, have been ripping the Islanders' depth. Yep. Um, and then the Islanders' depth got, like, the first star last night, and I saw so many, like, Wit, suck this, like, so so many funny yeah, memes yeah. on the internet. I listened to that episode, and when Biz was like, I take Islanders' depth over Tampa's, Wit was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he's like, that's got to be one of your wor- like top three worst takes on this podcast. And I get it with the defense. I think maybe Wit's got a point there, but – with the forwards, give me the Islanders. Give me the Islanders yeah. four lines over Tampa's four lines. I hate to say it, Newman, but that fourth line, I mean, what Cal Clutterbuck, Casey Sezikis, and Matt Martin have done in these playoffs is just unbelievable. And they deserve a ton of credit. They give that uh, they give that team just so much energy. And we saw it last night. I think everyone on the Islanders – that was on the ice, went to make a change. And you see Matt Martin taking one on four, one on five, just gets the puck to the blue line. Sergachev was on the ice for that shift, like two minutes and 30 seconds just because of that fourth line and the and the hard work on the four check that they were doing, just back to the line, just ripping shots. And Tampa just couldn't get the puck. So that's kind of what that line does for you. And I'm just – I love that line. If the Bruins had that line, oh, dude, I'd, I was... they'd probably be my favorite line outside of the perfection line. Was just going to say, number one, fuck you for calling them the perfection line. I hate that. And uh, I was going to say it reminds me so much of Campbell Pie Thornton when we won. It, yeah, just oh, yeah. guys that know what they're there to do, and they just excel at doing it. Um, it's, it's awesome to watch. If you're a hockey fan, you can't help but like watching them. Um did, did we do any predict? No, we haven't done predictions. I, I had Islanders in seven. Evan had Islanders in seven. Newman had Tampa in six. I'm going to take Tampa in six. I also would love to one-up Evan's guarantee because I was going to do this anyway, but now it's even better. So I would love to guarantee Tampa wins game five and Dazzy shuts the door on them. Nothing allowed. Wow. All right. Um, write that down. Right, got to write down. the two for today. Haven't lost in back-to-back games since our utter, utter sweep against Columbus back in the day. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. For me, the Islanders are just—they're just fucking good. They it's, are. All the credit to them. They played a great first two periods. All the defense is just unreal. Yeah, I—I I literally I texted you guys. Whoever scores the first goal wins is yep. going to win every game because I mean, in Game Three, Tampa out Islanders, Downers. And then in game four, the Islanders just shut us down for two periods. So it's a good series. Islanders are such a second period team. I think they're oh, outscoring definitely. teams like 25 10 in the second period in the playoffs. And in the first period, they've done like nothing. Well, all year I had been saying the way to beat the Islanders is to score first. And I think that still holds true. Um, but they just don't ever give up. They, they just have so much fight and there is outside of Barzal, there's not a single guy even close to being a star on that team. It's just guys, they get it done. Uh, and it, it's, it, it's like the famous saying, you know, there's a, a million ways to get the ball in the hole. Like there's a million ways to score a goal. There's a million ways to win a championship. And I think the contrast between 
the four different teams in, in the playoffs left right now is just huge. Like you look at Tampa and it's firepower. It's Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Hedman, like stars, Vasilevsky. And then the Islanders, it's like a, a systematic team where everybody has a niche and, and they play that role perfectly. And then Vegas and Montreal is kind of a blend of the two. I wouldn't say – I'd say Montreal and the Islanders are very similar where they are riding hot goaltending and they don't really have any stars, but they're getting scoring one through four. And, and the defense Vegas, is great on both teams. Yeah, and Vegas, again, more proven goaltenders. Uh, not the carry price isn't proven, um, but Leonard and Flurry obviously great years this year. Um, Flurry three cups to his name. And just a lot of more, a lot more star power in Vegas. Um, it's just, it's really great for hockey to see like four very different teams being so competitive. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about or uh, wrap this up? Can I give, uh, can I give my two minute rant for the day? Oh yes, I was, I meant to ask. But Colin, no guarantees this pod. Um, Newman and I dropped one. I don't think so. Newman, let me throw a timer on. Tell me when you're ready. Sure. I'm ready. I want want your guys' opinion, too. Uh, So, last week, the Blue Jays and the Yankees played a three-game series. I watched one game, and I got so pissed off watching this game because, I don't know if you guys saw this, Ross Stripling on the mound. Giancarlo Stanton grounds one to third to Joe Panic. Stanton is not even running to first. He's jogging. Joe Panic decides to run in, try a bare hand, and fucking yeets it over Vlad Guerrero's head. And I'm like, oh, whatever. It's fine. And then Ross Stripling on the mound on live TV starts ripping Joe Panic a new one. And I'm like, you don't do that to your teammate. Like, I've pitched in high school. I was a shitty pitcher at that. But, like, when my teammates make an error, it's like, pick them up. You, they're your teammates. Come on. Like, Ross Stripling is a fucking asshole is all I want to say. Like you don't do that on the mound in the middle of the game. You saw him, you could see him yell at him. He yelled at panic. He's not even running. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. You don't do that to your teammates. And I, I mean, I just wanted to get your guys opinion on it. I don't even have to finish the two minutes, but I was just going to say I, Newman pissed, only needs one minute for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. It just pissed me off. So I, I wanted to hear what you guys had to say on it. That's a good rant Newman. Um, I, I'll concur with you. Look, I don't think it's wrong to call your teammate out, but you can't do it on the oh, yeah, field. If you're going to say something to him, pull him aside in the dugout. Like, and also it didn't result in anything bad, right? No. Yeah. It's, it's got different if, on first. It if panic makes that error and then all of a sudden two run bomb next hitter, it's like, Oh, what the fuck dude, we could have been out of the inning. And that as a pitcher, I, I pitched in high school too. That feeling sucks. But also, like, when you're pitching, like, your teammates pick you up 95% of the time. In the MLB, it's, like, 98%, like, fielding. Um, and your job, you're not up – you're not on the mound to strike everybody out. You're on the mound to let the opponents hit and let your defense play defense. And sometimes your defense makes mistakes, and so do you. Like, what if Joe Panna came up to Ross Stripling after he gave up a home run and was like, you fucking suck. Like, why would you hang a curveball? Like, you just don't do that. I agree 100%, Newman. Ross Stripling uh, can go fuck himself. Yeah, and it's people like Ross Stripling 
that is why the Blue Jays are where, where they are. I mean, if this team got pitching, they'd probably be right around where the Red Sox and Rays are. Uh, I was looking at his stats. I mean, four six four ERA, one three one WHIP. I mean, you know, nothing fucking Crash. great. So this dude, uh, I I actually didn't even see that. I didn't see it on Instagram. I didn't see it on Twitter. I didn't see it anywhere. Um, but yeah, he is pitching well of late. But still, I mean, come on. Why do you why do you got to do that? To have some in? respect for your teammate. Have some respect. I actually have Absolutely. Joe Panic's jersey. What a fucking. Yeah, I do I like Joe Panic. He was a beast in San Francisco. I like Joe too. Yep, I was Giants jersey when I went out there. Should have got Posey or Belt, but oh well. Um, But no, totally wrong. I never pitched because I'd fucking suck at pitching, but uh, yeah, you don't do that shit, and I agree with you. So good rant, Newman. Well done. Yeah. Let's wrap it up, boys. Um, Good pod, good interview. Again, Wyatt, thanks for coming on. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Oh, real quick, I'd uh, I'd like to say something. we got a couple more guests coming up. We're going to have um first of all george niang uh who my dad actually taught in eighth grade pretty funny story at methuen high at methuen middle school i think it was a middle school at that time um but yeah he will be on utah jazz forward george niang so we're super excited to have him on in the next few weeks uh, and then we also got former canadians capitals goaltender prospect we got zach fuckel coming on the podcast within the next couple weeks as well uh, pretty big uh, name, and he just won some award in the AHL for a fantastic season. I think he had a goals against under two. Fantastic. I'm sure he'll be up with the Caps very soon. So excited to have him on as well in the next couple of weeks. So we got uh, some big plans going yeah. on here. A lot to look forward to at Clubhouse Convos. Yeah. All right, boys. That's all I got. Good pod, and we'll see you next week. Later. Later. Bet.